for faith. Hey. That was awesome. And what I love is that Faith didn't come up here and try and pretend to be something, but she was just honest. And I think God honors vulnerability and people being willing to say, hey, I'm on a journey and God is moving me forward. And I, I hope that you know that no matter where you're at in life, like God will not finish with you until the day that you're in heaven. So get used to not being there yet and God continuing to move you forward. And I'm proud of you, Faith. That was awesome. Can we give it up one more time for Faith? So cool. Um, hey, open your Bibles to Romans. We're going to go back to Romans, and maybe I'll just do a pretend series for the next couple weeks. We'll start a new series here in a couple weeks. But um, I was actually going to do a different message, but I just uh, I, I didn't. I'm not now, so I'm going to do this instead. This is, uh, this is two hours old, so, so <laughs> maybe that will make you be a little more gracious with me tonight. Um, Taylor, that wasn't very good. Well, at least it was pretty good for two hours old, so... Uh, yeah, okay, anyway, so here's the start of, of the message. It's not coming together. Taylor, what are you doing up there? Romans 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Romans 8 and verse 37 says this. In all things, we are more than conquerors. Everyone say, I'm more than a conqueror. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I, I being Paul, he's the one writing this to the church in Rome. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I want to speak for the next few minutes on this idea, the death of the D word. Death of the D word. If you like shorter titles, you can write off limits. But that one's not as funny. Death of the D word. Uh, Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, thank you for your presence. God, that we feel, it's more than just a feeling. God, we, we acknowledge right now, just in this moment, we pause and we acknowledge that the creator of the universe is right here in our midst. What an honor it is, God. God, let us never take lightly the privilege that we have to gather together and celebrate the life that we have in you. God, let us not take it for granted, but instead take advantage of it. God, let us grow. Let us become more like you. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for your love. And God, we just give tonight to you. We give this season to you. We thank you that even as Faith was talking, God, that you can redeem a season like this. And uh, God, it's not just a snap of your fingers, but God, you bring us on a journey where we're constantly seeing that you are the way maker. So we thank you for that, God. And we thank you that the Seahawks are going to go 15 and 1. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Do you agree with me, Adam? Where are you at? He's somewhere back there. I, can, I can't, I don't know. He, he, thank, that, that, Taylor is really falling flat. <laughs> you, uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, um, a Christian, kind of like a 90s Christian house. And some of you were not alive in the 90s, I know. Don't rub it in. But I was. And I grew up in the 90s Christian era. We, we were not allowed to swear, nor were we allowed to watch things with swearing. Not only that, we couldn't watch certain shows 
just because they were the kind of people who might swear. Like, we couldn't watch Rugrats because Angelica had a bad spirit. We couldn't watch The Simpsons because Bart was disrespectful. Now, as a dad, I understand. I do not want my five-year-old watching any of those shows because she will literally copy those characters. But nonetheless, we were, we were not allowed to swear. We couldn't say swear words. So being a, a kid, what we did is we found our ways around it. Does anyone, anyone else like me, like, you weren't allowed to say certain words, so you'd say a similar word? You know what I'm talking about? Like, we, we would, <laughs> I'm thinking of all the ones that we said. Like, we weren't allowed to say, okay, I don't know. If you're listening on podcasts, you got to be here. Um, but uh, we, would, we weren't allowed to say butthole. I know that sucks. And there's a reason, because it's, it's a gross word. <laughs> so we'd say butt face. You're a butt face. For some reason, it felt less, like, harsh. And uh, we, <laughs> we weren't allowed to, like, if we gave each other the bird, I mean, it, it, it did not matter. So what we would do is we'd do the upside-down hand where all of our fingers would point down, and then our middle finger, we'd point it up like this, like Spider-Man. And so my mom would not, my mom couldn't tell what we were doing, and so we would, we would do these things, and <laughs> we'd say things like, holy spit, you know, it's like... that. This does not make it any better. It's the spirit of the law, right? Because what would happen is if we swore, we'd get Tabasco in our mouths. My mom would give us a spoonful of Tabasco, and we would have to, we would have to keep it in there for like a whole minute. And to this day, I can smell Tabasco around the block two blocks away. Like, it is not good. I do not like Tabasco. It is not my jam. I'm not good with it. I'm not, I'm not good with Tabasco. It, like, I'm, I'm actually, like, triggered on the inside of my soul when somebody opens Tabasco at a restaurant. I actually think it's disrespectful. Like, don't be opening. Why are you opening Tabasco? Like, who do you think you are? Like, there's other people in the restaurant. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so she, th- this is why, because my mom would give us Tabasco, so we'd find ways around it. But the worst was, it was a, little, it was a, little, a D word. You're not, I'm not, you're, you may be thinking of one word, I'm not talking about that word. Is if we got really mad, we would say, duck you. <laughs> Me and my brothers, we would say, duck, because it rhymes with the worst word. Now, you might be like, Taylor, I don't know why we're talking about this in church. I don't either. But we would say, duck you, and one time, from a distance, my mom heard she said, what did you say? And I said, mom, I didn't swear. She said, I heard you. I said, no, I said, duck you. And she said, I don't care if it's the F word, the H word, the, the I word, the D word. It's a bad word. You're getting Tabasco. And I got Tabasco for saying the word duck. Yes, it's a travesty. <laughs> I want, to talk about, I want to talk about four D words tonight. Talk about four D words that try and keep us from experiencing the love of God. I want to talk about four D words that try and fail to keep us from the love of God. What we need to understand that, that Paul said, and I've preached on this before, where he says right at the beginning of this passage, he says, for I am convinced, which is an experiential word, which would, would, would indicate 
that he's been, been through some things that would bring him to this conclusion. This definitive, not an open-ended, like, this is my reality, but this is something that he's now projecting onto the entire church. A letter that would be circulated not just to the church in Rome, but all over. We are now reading it because of this. And he's wanting every person, this is the intent of the author, to let you know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. I hope you know that and understand that tonight. And if you've never experienced the love of God, that you leave having experienced it. And I want to let you know unequivocally, like there is nothing that you can do, nothing that can happen to you, nothing that you can go through, and nothing that anybody else can do that can separate you once and for all from the love of God. And why I know this is because Paul, the person who he would describe himself as a chief of sinners says it himself, I have been convinced that there's nothing. Let's read it again. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to give you four D words that attempt but fail to keep you from experiencing the love of God. Number one is death. Death. It says neither death nor life. Now you might say, okay, death or life, like what, what does that really mean? And it's not only but would include literal life and literal death, but it represents, life represents what is, right? It, it represents what is right now, what you're experiencing, where you're sitting. You are living right now. And nothing in your present reality can separate you from the love of God. No depression, no struggle, no thing that you've experienced during this COVID season. You might say, I never thought that I would come to this place where I would navigate these kinds of struggles. I always thought that that was the kind of thing that other people struggled with, but not me. And now here I am navigating the same thing that I used to judge others for navigating. Am I just like that? Am I too far from the love of God? Can I remind you and let you know once and for all tonight, no, you are not too far from the love of God. God's love is still radical for you. Even though you might be experiencing something right now in your life that you would say, it's trying to keep me from understanding God's love. I want to let you know that God's love for you has not changed one bit. You struggle, God's love for you is still great. You doubt, God's love is still great. You question, God's love is still there for you. You, you, you spend this time like really wondering, what do I even believe about God? God's love for you has not changed because his love for you is not predicated on something that you did. It actually beat what you did to the table. Like it got there first. And some of us need to remember this because we think that by, by, by thinking that there's something to separate us from God's love, it's the same kind of thinking that thought that we earned it in the first place. And if you can't earn it, guess what? You can't unearn it. If you can't be the reason it comes to you, you can't be the reason that it goes from you. 
And some of us, we, we, would, we would agree. We would say, yeah, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But still, you give yourself away. Corey Asbury, great song, Reckless Love. Is God's love really reckless? You know, is he really irresponsible with his love? Yeah, totally. You know, it's like we, we think, yeah, there's nothing I did to, to earn it. But then somehow in the back of our minds, we trick ourselves into thinking that there is something we can do to push it away. And you know what? <laughs> How I see it, it's kind of like my, my son and my daughter. Sometimes when I'm trying to feed Lennon or when Noel's trying to feed Lennon, I'm holding the bottle. And, and it's like in those moments, they just like crash. They, they want to like just sit on their baby sister. They bombard, they run into, they, they whack her on the head, they climb on top of me, and even Noelle, even further, like, it's like whenever she's holding Lennon is the time that they just want to bombard. That's how God's love is. It's like in the moments where you don't think that you are worthy of it is the moment God's love rushes at you the most. Yeah. Neither life but nor death. And see, the death is a unique one because death represents something that has been done. Something that has been finished. Something that has an end. Something that you have done, you've signed, sealed, and delivered it. I've got something that is in my past. Yeah, my present is fine, but I'm not so sure that God can love and redeem my past. Can God really love me in spite of this stuff that I've been struggling with? Can God really love me in spite of the things that I've said? All the times that I said, duck you to my sister. To my brother. All the times that I went back on my word. All of the times that I thought evil thoughts. And all the times that I acted upon them. Yeah, I know my present. God's here now, but does he really know all of my past and still love me? See, you may or may not know this, but Paul was one of those people who probably struggled with this from time to time. Because what you may not know about Paul is that before he became a Christian, probably about 17 or 18 years before writing this letter, he was the person who was facilitating the murder of Christians. He grew up as a zealous Jew. And he was, the guy, he was like the event coordinator for murders. Like he's like, all right, who are we stoning on? Is that Saturday or Friday? Okay, we got Stephen on Saturday. Who's Friday again? And then Monday, we got a couple more. Okay, cool. I'll coordinate it, get some volunteers. Like that was him. He was the one handing them stones. He's like, I just get to watch. That was Paul. Paul was a murderous facilitator. He was the person shouting insults and hatred toward Jesus' followers. And yet he is the person who in large part is why you and I are here today. Don't think that your past cannot be redeemed by God. If God can redeem Paul, then by all means, there's no question, can he redeem your issues? Can he redeem your past? Can he redeem what has happened to you and what you've done? Some of you, it is not what you've done, it's what's happened to you that has caused you to do what you have done, and it is all of this, this cluster of your past. And I just want you to know that all of that is covered by the blood of Jesus, that when he died and went to the cross, his blood was shed, which was needed to atone for your issues and your struggles, and he did it once and for all so that you could be cleansed white as snow. You are brand new, you are whole, and God's love for you is just as radical as it has ever been and as it will ever be. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on, are you thankful that God's love for you is not dependent on what you've done? Yeah. Neither death nor life can separate 
me from the love of God. Number two, so death is number one. Number two, demons. <laughs> demons. Here's what he says. Neither death nor life, angels nor demons. Angels and demons can't separate me from the love of God. Now, just like the first, this is also both a literal and a parallel. In that what angels and demons represent is messengers. And an, an, an angel can be a literal angel, but there are times in Scripture where an angel is someone who is a messenger. It is always someone who is a messenger from God, whether a heavenly angel or somebody who acts as an angel or a messenger from God to humans. That's the whole purpose of, of angels, and it was the whole purpose of demons. They are fallen angels. Anyways, we won't get into demonology and all that kind of stuff, but basically, an angel and a demon, they are both messengers. One is messengers from heaven, and one is a messenger from hell. One is a messenger from God, one is a messenger from the devil. And there is no messenger. What he's saying is there's no too good or too bad messenger that can come between you and God. I remember one time, I was not married yet, Noelle and I had the first couple years of our saga where uh, I broke up with her and then she chased after me for two and a half years where I finally let up. It's a little bit different than what I just described. We had dated. We dated for a month. We broke up. wasn't good. A couple weeks later, I realized I'm an idiot. What am I doing? Chased after her for two and a half years. And about a year and a half into that, we both ended up going to the same Bible college in Portland, Oregon. And uh, there was this guy who I know and love today, but there was a period that I hated him, and his name was Travis. And Travis, uh, Travis and Noel, we were all friends, but Travis and a couple of our other friends, they, they all had their little clique, their crew, right? And Travis had the audacity to have a crush on Noel. She did. She did. Or he did. And it was mean. He did. They did. They liked each other. And, uh, and so they, they liked each other, and the whole time I did too, like, the, the, the pinnacle of it was like, we had this whole year-end senior banquet. Like, it's like prom, but for college, and it, for Bible college at least. And it's really, it's just sad prom because there was no dancing because it's Bible college. And so anyways, we won't get into that, but it was just, it was like pretend prom, but not good enough to be prom, and it was just funny. But, and so, but you still ask the girl, you, you know, the, whatever. And so, so, so Travis, like, wrote her a song to ask her. I'm like, bro, I'm never going to be able to compete with this. And so he's laying it on thick. He's a smart guy. He's a really nice guy, which was hard because he was not mean. I wanted him to be mean so I could just not like him. It would be easy. But he was a nice guy. He was a cool dude. He was really friendly. He was nice to me. He even asked my, perm he asked my permission to ask her to banquet. I'm like, bro, stop. What am I going to tell you? No, no. I mean, you know, she's my not girlfriend. So, of course, you can't. So... So I remember we, we went to banquet. I went to the, with this other girl, and she goes, and, and, you know, she saw me, and she's like, wow, Taylor, that's that super cool red shirt with the fat black tie with no jacket and, and a little bit of pudge hanging over your belt and the belt that's a little bit worn out because you, you didn't have the foresight to just get a new belt for this occasion so that it would actually match the outfit. And it was just this bent belt because your stomach has leaned over and, and just bent the leather, leather over a couple years of time because you've had it since high school, you know, and, and, and your, your, your dirty scuffed up shoes like and she was so attracted to that and so 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 Travis is there with her and obviously I'm seeing the sparks fly right 
And uh, I'm, I'm like trying to get sparks to fly with Catherine. It's, just, it's, not, it's not flowing. And so I'm like, I, I, I don't like Catherine. It's not going to work out here. I do like Noelle, but she's obviously into Travis. And so I remember, though, I remember, and, and this is the greatest story of my life, is uh, we get back from banquet and, and, you know, the dust settles and, and we're about to go home for the summer. This is after our freshman year uh, of Bible college. And, um, and I was not present for this, although I wish I was. But Noelle had, you know, she got back from banquet and she just, the Lord was working on her heart. And she's like, I, I really love Taylor. And, and, um, and so Travis and Noelle go to Starbucks, the Gateway Starbucks, about a minute down the road from our campus. And they're in Starbucks. And Travis had the intent there to ask Noelle to, you know, to, to go steady. Is that what they still call it today? You want to go steady? So Travis is about to be the messenger from, from the devil. And come be between me and my, my girl. And so Travis gets there. But as, as God's plan would prevail... This guy by the name of Matt shows up, has no clue what's about to go on, and invites himself to sit with them. And for the next duration of time before Travis had to go off to work, he sat with them and prevented Travis from being able to ask Noel to be his girlfriend. Woo! And she left from there, and she cut it off because he wasn't worthy. Okay, he was. He was actually, he's a way better guy than I am, but we digress. Here's the point, is that whether you like it or not, God's will prevails. God's desire, like, <laughs> sorry, Travis. He's like, he's got a wife and a few kids, and, they're, he's a, and he's now one of the professors. He's a stud, and if you ever go to Portland Bible College, he will be your favorite teacher. He's amazing. So, um, and we laugh about it now. But it's so funny, because God's will prevails. And you think that there are things that you can do or that somebody else can do that can stop you from getting to where you need to go. And I'm here to tell you once and for all, God saw the end before the beginning and he placed you right here and he says, I'm not done with you yet. I don't care who tried to thwart your plan. I don't care who got in the way. I don't care what messenger from heck or from heaven. I don't care what person tried to rumor about you and tried to push on you and tried to, they, they stabbed you in the back or somebody who had ill intent came against you. I don't care what that was, it did not stop the purposes of God in your life. But some of us, we think that, don't we? We think that if somebody comes along, that they can stop what God wants to do. You know what can stop what God wants to do, if you're not careful, is believing that somebody else can. What you've got to do is stop believing that God's will is so small and so hinging on your ability that you forget the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to continue to weave things and work everything out for your good. What does Romans say? It says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe you're called? Uh, let me tell you, you are. Are you loved by God? Let me tell you, this scripture tells me, and I've seen it, I'm convinced, you are loved by God. So guess what? All things, the bad messengers and the good ones, the past and your, all this stuff, guess what? It does not prevent you from being able to receive the love of God. No messenger, doesn't matter where they come from, can stop. So some of us, what we need to do is we, we've got to take these people in our world off of the pedestal. 
because we've given their word and their opinion so much weight that they act as a messenger in between us and the purposes of God. And so we start to think that now, well, if my past didn't do it, somebody else will. My past didn't cut me off, but this person did. They got the role that I was supposed to get. They got to do what I was supposed to do. And suddenly we live in this state of being that says, somebody can prevent the will of God. I'm here to tell you, God's not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. You missed out on one thing, guess what? God's got something better. And I'm not here to just say, you know, you know, it, it's, it, God turns your mess into a message. You know, it's like these cheesy phrases, but, 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 it's, but it's like kind of true. Because every single mess, every single mishap, every single misdirection is all a setup for God to continue to prove his faithfulness. So please just remember it. You had someone who hurt you? I'm, I'm telling you, yes, make it right. Yes, frame it correctly. Yes, uh, deal with it. Yes, talk to some people to get healing. Yes, go and talk to them. All of those things. But don't ever think that it is the thing that will prevent you from being able to connect with God and know his love and purpose for your life. Can I get an amen? amen. Number three. I'll give you number three and four, and, and we'll, we'll close here in just a moment. Number three is distance. I love what he says here. Neither the present nor the future. Neither the present nor the future. I love, I love, 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 love this. Because we talked about the past. We talked a little bit about the present. But I want to let you know that some of us, you're so, so afraid of what's to come. That you think, is this too good to be true? Like, is it always going to be? Like, like, I'm good right now. Got my health. Got my girl. <laughs> but what if I screw this all up? Like, what if I become my dad? And the very thing that I always said I'd never be. What if? What if? We live in this what if kind of world. What if I screw this? What if I don't match? What if I don't achieve? What if I don't get? What if, what if, what if, what if? And we start to live in this negative future that says, and then once I'm there, oh no. Oh no. Neither present nor future can separate you. From the love of God. I'm not here to say that you will, but even if you did, it doesn't separate you from the love of God. God's love is still great for you. Number four, I'll invite the band to come forward. See, there's no death, no demons, no distance, and no depth. No depth it says neither height nor depth can separate us from Christ's love. The, the two words contrast there, and I love the language that Paul uses through this whole passage. Height, depth. And height represents a wall or a city that's been fortified, right? So it's a wall that you build up. It's, it's, it's things, it's structures in your life. That it's your plans. It's your habit. It's all of these different things. 
So there's no height. Like, you can't outplan the will of God. You can't, you can't build any kind of structure that makes it impossible for God to still make his way through the cracks. But then, not just height, but depth. And this depth was intriguing to me. Because I build up the, the walls. You and I have all done it, haven't we? We put up walls to try and keep vulnerability out. We put up facades. And we, we try and keep ourselves from having to feel, like really feel. Because then if we feel, it makes us feel like we're being like caved in upon. So there's no height, meaning if all your walls break down, or even if God were to scale them all, like it, he's not going to get in and get surprised. Like he's not going to come into the depths of your soul and be surprised by the darkness that's in there. Like his light is actually looking for the darkest parts to illuminate. But then this word death, what it literally means is a rut, a deeply ingrained habit or mindset. And if I'm being honest, I would spend years in worship, year after year, week after week, day after day, whether it was in my room or it was in a corporate worship setting, it was at a youth group, it was at a conference, it was at church. So on a Wednesday night, and I'd come into a Wednesday night environment, and every time I would lift my hands, I would feel like there was something deep down, my habits and my thinking, that somehow made me ineligible for what God wanted to do. And I'm here to tell you, that though your habit and your rut might be real, it might be a groove in the ground, and every time you try and get out of it, it's kind of like bowling. You ever been bowling with, right, and you don't use, and if you do use the, the wall, whatever you call it, the bumpers, come on. We're, we're adults here. It's time to let the bumpers down. Just my opinion. There's no spiritual significance to that. I don't even know. It just came to me. It's two hours ago, okay? Give me a break. But it's like the rut. And it's funny because I bowled with the bumpers and I never hit them. But the moment the bumpers are down, I'm trying to avoid the sides. So I bowl and somehow, I mean, I, I remember, I consider myself a decently competent you know, athletic person. May not be great, but I'm okay. And I remember, I've got my method. I'm, I can see the pins. And it goes in the side like six times in a row. And it's because I kept looking to it. I kept looking at the rut. It's where the ball would go. We all have it, don't we? We've got that rut. The thing up here that we keep coming back to, it's that 3 a.m. habit, it's that 11 a.m. habit. Some of you now, it's that all day habit. 
because you're in the confines and privacy of your own room. So what happens here or in your room is like a rut to the point where when you walk past your door, you go back to that place. The only reason I can identify that is because that has been me where the struggle is the first thing that my mind goes to, that I associate who I am with the rut that I've lived in. I am addicted. I am stuck. I am depressed. I am afraid. I am anxious. I am angry. I am bitter. I am, I am, I am. What do we do? We reiterate the rut. And God is saying, if you've lived in that rut, I want to let you know that you are not done. I am not done with you yet. I'm still working in your life. You got the rut? You got the habit? I'm greater than your habit. I'm greater than your struggle. Yeah, we might need to fill in that rut. We might need to put the bumpers up for a bit. But don't you think that that bumper, that that rut is enough to keep my love from you? I think there's some people in here, maybe some people in your world who've identified by their struggle. They said, I am this misalignment of my identity. Like this is who I am. I want to let you know that when you are in Christ, it is no longer who you are. That you are a new creation, set apart. The old is gone, all things made new. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you've lived in this space one of these four things has marked a season of your life or even this most recent COVID season. Maybe it's death. Something that's happened or that you've done. Maybe it's demons. It's a messenger, whether good or bad. Something or someone that has tried to get between you and God. it's distance, maybe it's time, maybe it's your future, maybe it's fear, maybe it's depth, maybe it's a rut, but whatever it is, God wants to remind you tonight that even when you don't see it, I'm still working, still moving on your behalf. All this time you thought I was done, just getting started. You need a deep work, though. It's a deep work. Because you spent years digging that rut to the point where it's smooth. It's caked over. Where when you try and dig into it, it's like digging a shovel into a bunch of rocks. And it's hard to get past the surface. You might even say, I've tried, Taylor. Like, I've tried. And for whatever reason, I keep hitting 
ground. I believe that what the Holy Spirit wants to do, even right now in this moment, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I believe that what God wants to do is begin to loosen the ground. Begin to loosen that surface. And it may seem really, really tough on the surface. And it may look to others like you've just tried to cover it because you don't want anybody else to have to see your rut. So you've masked it. And God is saying, let me get in. I'm going to stir up the soil. I'm going to till the soil. I'm going to loosen it up. Watch what I can birth. Watch what I can do. Would you stand all over this room? And we're going to dim the lights and we're going we're to worship in just a moment. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep your eyes closed. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. Okay, we're all standing. And one of the best things that we can do is in these moments, one of the best things that you can do is as you worship, as you lift your hands, as you lift your voice, as you confess with your mouth, that what it starts to do is it starts to stir and loosen the ground. What we see all throughout the New Testament, Paul and Silas worshiping into the night, breaking off chains. I mean, you see it time and time and time again, and all throughout human history, that the remedy was not to fix. And there's a point for that. There's a place for that. There's a place for working with people. There's a place for counseling. There's a place for openness and honesty. There's a place for friendship. There's a place for all of these things. And in fact, those are very, very necessary and important. But there is something that cannot replace worship. And when you lift your hands, when you lift your voice, when you turn your eyes to God and say, God, I am at the end of myself. I need what only you can do. So I will lift my eyes off myself. I will lift your name high. I will worship you. And as we worship, God begins to come in and fill us and flow from the inside to the out. So what we're going to do right now is with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If there's one of those for you, you've got a rut, you've got something in your past, something you're afraid of in your future, whatever it might be, one of those four D's or something that maybe doesn't fit perfectly in one of those, but you've got something that you're saying is trying to keep me from the love of God. Maybe it's a memory, something that happened to you as a child. I don't know what it is, but God is saying, I want to free you from the bondage that that has created. Because guess what? It tried, but it failed to keep my love from it. There is nothing too dirty, too dark, too old, too hard, too messed up to keep my love from you. So if that's you, would you just lift your hand all over this room? You got something, recent or past, old, new, current. Awesome, I see hands going up all over. Here's what I want to do. Okay, so you lift your hand, you can put it down. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing, and we're going to believe the words we are about to sing. We're going to believe it. There's a power in your confession when you don't just and I'm not saying that you need to sing loud or sing quiet, but there's something that happens when you say, I'm going to release the inhibitions. I'll be uncomfortable for a sec. And I'll know that there's some sort of transcendent thing that I'm tapping into when I lift my hands 
and I lift my eyes to the maker of the heavens and earth. And I remind myself that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the firstborn over all creation, the one who knows me inside and out and still loves me. So I will worship him. So if you lifted your hands, God, I pray for every person whose hand was lifted. God, every soul, every past, every struggle represented here. God, I thank you that you are not done with them yet. God, we know that strongholds have tried to keep people. Mindsets and mentalities and ruts in their lives, habits, destructive habits have tried to keep people from your love. But we thank you, God, that your love has outlasted every one of them. And you're here to remind us once and for all, my love is not going to run out on you. God, we thank you that no height, no depth, no angel, no demon, no principality, no darkness, no struggle, no pain, no future, no past, no fear, no worry, no anything, no good, no bad, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. So God, tonight we worship you knowing that your love is still active for us, is still chasing after us, and God, that you will never give up on us. And when we don't see it, we know, God, that you are working. So God, we lift our hands. Why don't you lift your hands all over this room? Lift both hands to heaven just in a sign of, of surrender and sign of...